This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's grabbing out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Welcome to the Coach Show Podcast. I'm Brian Billick here with Steve Mariucci to break down week two in the NFL. With a dominating win over the 49ers, just how good are those Seahawks? The Chiefs and the Dolphins are 2-0, but are they for real? Plus my interview with Bears head coach Mark Pressman and the growth of Jay Cutler. The Coach Show Podcast starts now. Well, Mooch, we're going to start with your 49ers because when they lose, they're your 49ers. But that, uh, I know it's tough to go into Seattle, but that was an impressive beatdown by the Seahawks. I don't remember you saying they were my 49ers. Yeah, they, when they the were Packers. our 49ers. When they beat the Packers last week, remember that? Right, then they were our 49ers. Hey, Brian, how would you like to start your season uh, as a 49er coach opening with the Packers and at Seattle? Those yeah. might be the two other best teams in the NFC, right? Let's face it. And, uh, boy, the tough part of their schedule, they end up one and one. But what a game last night. Uh you know, the way I look at it when these two teams play, there's, there's a lot. And, of course, I'm right here local, so I hear all about it constantly. These two coaches don't vacation with their families together. <laughs> don't exchange uh, Christmas cards? No, I don't think so. And, and, uh, and, that, and you know it started way back Stanford and USC. There was some real – there was some stuff going on there, and it was awesome. Good football. And, and here we go again, same thing. They might be two of the best teams. Uh, they are two of the best teams in the league. And there's no love lost. And, and Jim Harbaugh won the first three. And Pete Carroll's won the last two. But they've been both up in Seattle. Is that one crazy place yeah. to play or what? They're trying to set a new world record for decibels of the sound. But when you talk they... about those styles, what's interesting, and you're right, they don't. And they've said publicly, it's been overblown in terms of our relationship. But you're right, they're not exchanging Christmas cards. But what's interesting is they both are very similar in terms of the toughness and the mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, this running a bunch of plays and whatever, uh, they might, ain't buying into that. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play good run defense. <laughs> they're going to be physical on defense. So their styles really are fairly similar. Absolutely, Brian. It's old school mentality. It's play smash mouth football, especially with their defense. Like you said, they're the two top scoring defenses in the league last year, and here we go again. And then they run the ball. Yeah, they might be a little different run the ball than we've seen in the National Football League, but what's the difference? When you hand it to somebody, whether it's a quarterback or a running back that's carrying the darn thing, it's still you got to block them up and, and move the sticks that way, and, and that's what they do. There's no finesse about it, and, and uh, that's the style of coaches. They are. They want to be that way. Forget about this fast-paced, new gimmick stuff. They don't want to do that at all. What jumps out at me, Mooch, and anytime I look at teams and statistics, and you can, you know, I knew you, I'm stat boy and I'm all about numbers and that kind of thing, but to me it's, it's dramatic contrast. When something goes from 35% to 40 or 45%, I don't care. But when I look and see an Anquan Bolden, for example, gets 13 receptions for better than 200 yards against Green Bay Packers, and gets one reception against that secondary in Seattle. And I don't know that I've seen a more impressive physical secondary when you're talking about, obviously, with Thomas at safety, with those, you know, and and Chancellor, and and you've got Sherman, a Stanford guy, interestingly, who has Mm -hmm. that kind of tough mentality. And Anquan Bolden, you know, he he out-muscles people. He's not going to beat you by routes and whatever. He just out-muscles DBs. He couldn't out-muscle these guys, and it kind of shut down the 49ers. 
Keep in mind, too, that Brandon Browner didn't play. Yeah, he didn't play that? in this game. He didn't play in the last game, that, the last time that they played. Well, that big monster corner comes back uh, when they come back to San Francisco. And you're right because Anquan Bolden now had a move to Z when Michael Crabtree was hurt. That's the feature position in uh, the West Coast offense, as you know. And Richard Sherman traveled with him some, not all the time. He traveled with him sometimes, and he just locked him down. I mean, Richard Sherman's long anyway and tall, and he's, and he's crazy, and he's talented. And we're going to be talking about him as the best corner in the National Football League. Yeah, I said it, and because we haven't talked about Daryl Revis yet this right, year we're right. trying to we're hoping he stays healthy but this Richard Sherman guy now and then he's locked on on Vernon Davis who's the fastest guy that the Niners have just coincidentally he was in man coverage on Vernon Davis Vernon Davis when he threw the he got the interception and so he's he's talented and um, they, they changed defensive coordinators this year Dan Quinn comes in mm-hmm. used to work for me he was my defensive assistant was he really Dan's a, of, a heck of a coach Got him out of Hofstra. Hofstra, wow. you know where that is? Sure, and, New York. And, and, and they lose Gus Bradley, and everybody says, whoa, they, they lose a, a very important coach. Uh, Dan Quinn's just as crazy as Pete and Gus Bradley. I mean, he's, he's a very talented. He has them flying around. But they play a lot of man, as you know, so they can have those safeties close to the line of scrimmage, and they can really hit the gaps hard, and, they boy, they stop the run. And, and, we're, and you used a term there for the corners about them being they, – they can play long. And that's the term in the NFL now, a player oh. that can play long, which means he's got the long arms, he can be physical. And, and particularly when we're talking about shutdown corner – I don't know, do you think Sherman is a, a, a shutdown corner along yeah. the lines of Revis? Yeah. Would you put him in that category? Yeah, I would. Absolutely, yeah. I would. Yep. He's much more physical than Revis in the way that he plays. Well, and then he's and he's chatty, and, and he's yeah. uh, he. I he love the fact that he kept, if, talk, he kept talking about it, people. You know, people keep talking and keep talking. Right now, I think he's the only one talking. <laughs> he kept complaining. <laughs> Everybody's talking about DBs and how good we are. And and, and uh, well, you're the only one out here talking about it. But as long as you deliver, you're okay with it. Yeah, he delivers too, and and so he's good enough to travel with anybody you got. He's good enough to shut you down if he's on your side because Brandon Browner's on the other side, and that's a scary secondary. And that's why they can do whatever they want to do on defense. They can, they can press you, bump and run you all the way across the board, load up the box, dare you to run, dare you to throw. And like you said, he shut down, they shut down Anquan Bolden, who had over 200 yards receiving against mostly zones uh, with the Packers, and all of a sudden man-to-man uh, shut him down. Do you uh, – it's, it's only week two, so this is stupid to ask, but I can do that now because I'm a member of the media and not a coach. Uh, they, don't, they play each other again in December, and we'll have this conversation then. But right now, if you've got to pick, you've got to put that huge paycheck you get yeah. on a team to win the NFC, you put it on Seattle or San Francisco and why? You didn't mention, you didn't mention Atlanta, did you? Well, I'm just or, talking or about or these two Do I have to just choose – yeah, just those two, because these two teams are the top of my power ranking. So I'll get to those other teams later. But just those two, unless you think Atlanta belongs there. I know they're in the conversation, but right now I want you to pick one of those two teams, San Francisco or Seattle. I'm going to say Seattle, and I'll tell you why. First, they've won the first one head-to-head, fine. But they're going to get Chris Clemens back. They're going to get Brandon Browner back. They're going to get Bruce Irvin back. These are really game-changing type players that are not even playing for them yet. And the Niners got a little banged up last night. Yeah. Got a little banged up. Had some guys come out. Some guys didn't finish the game. Hopefully they're going to be back healthy soon. But you, 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 there's going to be some help coming to the Seahawks 
just when you need it through a long season. And they've got both of these teams have really good depth. This is the first time last week we, we got all uh, giggly about uh, Colin Kaepernick and his future and all mm. that. And that's still very real. You don't giggly. That. Yeah, we were we were getting I have another term for it. But even even though this is a podcast, I won't use it. But this is the first time I've seen Kaepernick blink a little bit. He, he was at a little bit of a loss. The ball started to sail on him a little bit. I saw some things, even in tough games where, he, you know, the team may be lost. This is the first time he, he hasn't had that pure action, that pure throwing action we keep talking about. He blinked a little bit last night. Yeah, I think you're right. But I also think, Brian, because I watched the, the last year's game, and it was, a, it was sort of similar. And I don't know. I don't know if the crowd gets to him. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, when he's throwing against zones, he's got the strong arm and he's he's courageous. Boom! He he sails it in there, frozen ropes. But when it's tight man coverage and there's pressure, um, maybe maybe that makes a young guy blink a little bit. Yeah. And and then and then when it, when you start shutting down that run game, right. they seem to be just kind of looking looking for answers. And don't get me wrong, they're going to play again, yeah. and this is going to be a new ball game. But, but uh, you know, after that first week when he threw for over 400 yards because the Packers were trying to stop the run, I thought for sure this guy's, you know, turning the corner in, in terms of being a passer. Well, that, that wasn't the case the other night. So um, these two young quarterbacks, man, I, I love our league right now. It's got so many good young quarterbacks. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch them. Yeah, and I think I still worry about Seattle. I don't; they're not the most dynamic on the outside at receiver. Russell Wilson mm-hmm. obviously playing well. They're going to pound away with Marshawn Lynch playing. Yeah, great but who are you going to pick? You asked me to pick a team. You know who what? Are you gonna I'm going to I'm going to even though you're bailing on your local 49ers, uh, uh, I, I'm going to stay with the 49ers because I think, you know, although head to head, I might go ahead and still pick Seattle, but I don't think there are too many secondaries that can match up with an Anquan Bolden and a Vernon Davis the way Seattle does. So I think San Francisco can get back on its stride, and maybe they even go ahead and lose to Seattle again. But I think they still have more assets that overall, uh, they still may win the division and st- and get swept head-to-head, which is kind of convoluted <laughs> logic. But but uh, I- I'm going to stick with the 49ers. I'm not going to bail on Kaepernick just yet. But if he has another game like that, I'll, I'll say, well, I knew he wasn't any good all along, and I'll, I'll bail on the whole thing. <laughs> Let, let's move because on to a couple. Can. I guess the two surprise teams are, are the Chiefs and Miami sitting there at 2-0. We're going to talk, like everybody talking about, who are the surprise 2-0 teams and who are the surprise 0-2 teams. But let's talk about um, the, the, the Chiefs and the Dolphins. And I don't know if it's a surprise, but clearly, we knew with Andy Reid getting in and the talent they had and the, and the skill positions in Kansas City. Miami, all but with two games, I, I didn't have real high expectations for them because I felt like, you know, they're going to have to win the division to get in the playoffs. I'm not sure they can't win the division. Yeah, I'm not sure they can either because, you know, we just had the New England game the other night against the Jets on Thursday night football. Anyway, um, Tom Brady's receiving is depleted I mean it's it's different it's rookies and it's Julian Edelman's the feature guy now we talk about Kaepernick that's the first time I've seen Brady blink this last game he was truly frustrated yeah I walked out with him after the game and he he told me he said Mooch I'm frustrated and yeah I got it we got to keep going but it's 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 been different and so you know that's just changing personnel. Ben Roethlisberger's going through it Flacco's going through it you know um but let's talk about Andy real quick 
Um, the Chiefs, that was that two and fourteen team of last year was really kind of a misnomer because you, you mentioned that they have what six Pro Bowlers from last sure. year returning. They had some things happen to them, tragedies that happened to that football team and some some other players, and and it was awful and, and injuries galore. And so so Andy took over a team that's better than two and fourteen. He'll be the first to admit it. And then they added to it. They were very aggressive and. And free agency and whatever they had to do to find a way to get an Alex Smith and some of the others. And so they look like a real capable football team, don't they, right now? Well, we have them this week on Thursday Night Football right. back at Philadelphia. Is that going to be awesome? Right. Yeah, just the whole atmosphere that way. And, and Alex Smith is, let's talk about the manager, the game man. I know quarterbacks absolutely hate that term, but Alex <laughs> Smith too. is doing those things that fit and you knew Andy when he went after him okay this is a guy that's going to run my type of offense he's going to be efficient he's doing just that not spectacular not I you know blowing uh, numbers but Alex Smith is giving him just just what he did for the 49ers but truly has got a uh, a kindred spirit in Andy Reid because he's Mm -hmm. doing it just the way Andy wants to do it you know for Alex uh, you know he used to live just up the street here and and um He's moved over there, and it's like, it's like a breath of fresh air for he and his family. And I and I know it's a breath of fresh air for the Kansas City Chiefs to have a guy like that. He's he's low maintenance. He's a hard working guy. He's blue collar, and he takes care of the football. He he's thrown ten interceptions in the last two seasons, and that's exactly what that team needs: is just take care of that ball and allow that defense to keep improving, which it is. Allow that new offense to start, you know, really gelling. The interesting thing that they did, you know, you and I both know Andy Reid's West Coast offense for the most part, but they've added some Chris Alt offense, that pistol stuff, and which I don't want to say is revolutionizing no. revolutionizing the game or the NFL, but people are dabbling in it, and yeah. some teams more than others. Alex Smith is running some zone yeah. read options from the pistol, and he's doing it very well. And they're picking their spots. But remember, he did that stuff at Utah with at Urban Utah Meyer. It was, I don't know yep. if it was the pistol with the guy in the deep, but he, that spread and then read an option, get to the edge. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a pretty good. Remember, it was Alex Smith that went number one in that draft over Aaron Rodgers because of his mm-hmm. athleticism. We didn't think mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers was very good. That's how smart we are uh, outside the pocket. <laughs> But it was because of his – that was really the difference in the two, as I remember it, because of the athleticism we saw from Alex Smith at Utah going into that draft. Well, he was undefeated, right? Right. And right. he was very smart, very young. I remember when he was going to be drafted, they were bringing him in, you know, for visits prior to the draft here in San Francisco, and he tried to rent a car, and they wouldn't even let him rent a car. He's too yeah. young. And so it, it, uh, it's quite a story that he's had. I, I, I'm hoping he's found a long-term home over there in Kansas City. Sure looks like it. Yeah. And don't count them out. I, I think we both think that Denver will win the AFC West. But this, this Kansas City Chiefs team looks like, in Andy's first year, could very well be a wild-card team. Can you win a championship with Alex Smith at quarterback? Absolutely, yes. I mean... They're going to go to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith two years ago if they don't fumble a punt against the Giants, okay? They're going to go to the Super Bowl. And, and so, you know, it's, he's right there. He's, he's, he's better than some of the other quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls. And so, obviously, he needs a defense and a run game and some receivers and all of that. Stuff, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, if you'd asked me that in San Francisco, given the history that he went through, first-round <clears throat> draft choice, 
labeled a bust by some, struggled through a different a bunch of different coordinators, but now finding a new home in Kansas City, it's like all that's gone away, <clears throat> and it's got yeah, that yeah. fresh start. So, well, let's talk about another very athletic guy in a surprise can start with Miami. Uh, is yeah. Ryan Tannehill. I'm interested in your view on Ryan Tannehill. A lot of people misunderstand when Ryan Tannehill came out. They thought, well, you didn't like Tannehill. That's not true. I like Tannehill. I questioned the process of the league drafting guys like Gabbert and Ponder and Tannehill, I'll throw into that group, and Locker at the 8, 10, 12 position. I thought these guys were late or early second-round picks based on what they did. <clears throat> but because of the need for, for quarterbacks, these guys get pulled out. Now, T- Tannehill may look like he's he's panning out. He looked pretty good these first two weeks. <clears throat> Why didn't you like Tannehill, Brian Billick? Why didn't you like Tannehill? <laughs> I like Tannehill. Um, I didn't like the pro- I didn't think he was worth the tenth pick was of the part draft. Part of that process, or the eighth pick of the draft. You know, uh, sometimes we forget that Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver for yeah. Texas A&M. Yeah, that's why I didn't okay. like him as the eighth pick of the draft. Uh, no, you see, uh, and he was their leading receiver, not only just yeah. a receiver. He was the man. And so he plays, and he's only seven and six. That's probably another thing that you want a winner, you know, all that stuff. Mike Sherman was a coach. He gets let go. Um, I went down there to interview him for Game Changers and all that stuff. Got to know him a little bit. Um, athlete, confident guy, a little quiet. Um, but all I know is this kid is very quietly, very quietly becoming one of those great sophomore quarterbacks. You know, we talk a lot about Andrew Luck. We talk a lot about... Russell Wilson, but Ryan Tannehill, he might win as many games as any of these guys this year. And uh, Joe Philbin's doing a nice job over there in Miami. And um, boy, I can't wait to continue watching this you guy say, grow. You, you say that about, I got to get you one time on this is a podcast. So it's there. I got to get you one what? time what to say on the air. Yeah. You know, that coach so-and-so he just, he sucks. He's terrible. They just don't do a good job, right? <laughs> We're supposed to cut the – I want to get you – Should we? I want to get that I'm out of you to, sometime. All right, let me I'm ask you about to. this. I got, I got New York yeah. at Carolina this week, and so it's my first real look at Cam Newton. Mm. Uh, uh, right now, you got to choose, Cam Newton or Ryan Tannehill. Ooh, ah. <clears throat> you know, you know I, I, I hate doing this because you, you have to be around these guys, you know, and pretty I soon they hey, hey, Mooch, you said I suck. <laughs> and then right. it's like – well, All I have right, to go so sit in a production meeting with them. So, you know, that's different. <laughs> go ahead. Who, who do you take? Uh, I don't know, Brian. I don't know. I, I uh, Here's the problem I have with Cam Newton right now. I'll bail you out. What? Is I, I love the fact that they were throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game when he got started because I was one that was saying, okay, what? Great. So, so you, you know, you take a rookie quarterback, and typically what do you want to do? I'm going to throw it 20, 25 times. I want to manage it. Well, what are you going to learn from that? And for a Carolina team, okay, so you're going to go, five, you know, six and ten instead of five eleven. Who cares? Throw it around, let it happen. Well, then last year, now where you're going to get the benefit of that, they didn't play real well, and they didn't play real well defensively. Right now, you'd like to see him manage that, not manage the game, but be more of a quarterback. I don't think he can do. I think he has to run around, or they got nothing offensively, and and that's mm. that's a lot to put on that young guy. Yeah, Cam's got to save Ron Rivera's job. He is what he has to yeah. do. And the only way to do that is win games. And so he's got to show progress. He's gone through different coordinators and systems. Um, we know he's athletic like crazy. And I just, I just, I worry about in the National Football League, the quarterback being your leading rusher. That bothers me. Right. There's something missing with that football team. If your quarterback is scoring the touchdowns and making the yards rushing, that's out of whack. And so, because I don't think that can be sustained uh, physically. 
So I, I, wouldn't you love to coach Cam Newton? Oh, God, when you look oh. at that, yeah. I still worry about his mentality, his professionalism with all the things going on around him, uh, the way he processes it. Uh, I'm going to be very interested in sitting with him this Friday when I do the game, the production meeting. I want to kind of look him in the eye a little bit and going, okay, tell me where you're at right now and see. And, and like all young people, you can be young and do stupid things, and, but I want to see if there's that maturity process. Let, let's move back into the NFC. Two teams I want to talk about. One is the Saints and the Bears. I just did the Bears game. The Saints, uh, and it's no surprise the Saints are 2-0, Drew Brees, Sean Payton coming back. Um, but you talk about the difference coaching can make. Let's talk about the, the New Orleans defense. And it looks like Rob Ryan has made a real dif- difference in that New Orleans Saint defense. He has. And that, and we talked about it before the season started, that's the key for them to make a deep run in the playoffs. We know their offense is going to be great. And they proved it on the last drive again yesterday uh, against Tampa. Just go down the length of the field and win it. Well, geez. Uh, but they were leading the league in rushing last year, or passing last year in second in total offense. So, so Sean Payton's influence on offense, eh, it'll be there, but it, it'll be minimal. It's the defense. Well, Rob Ryan, here you go. You have all this responsibility on your shoulders. Make the worst defense ever in the National Football mm-hmm. League. That's what they were last Better year. Better than 7,000 yards they gave up. Huh, that's 7,000 yards. That's 7, over four yards. miles. I can't yes. even... Ride a bike that far like you do over there in Europe in the summer with the little tights on. Okay, but <laughs> but I look you know, good. I, I look good in that spandex, by the way. We got to get. Can somebody get a picture of Brian <laughs> Billick in spandex? We will do that. Going through the vineyards over there. We will. Anyway, do they're playing without the Saints' defense is playing out without Will Smith. They're playing without Jonathan Vilma, and they're playing confidently. They're playing. They're they're they're, they're aggressive. They're uh, Rob's got some things going yeah. on over there, good things. And so it's it always nice to play in the in the dome over there. That really helps you against an Atlanta team. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting between Atlanta and New Orleans for that division over there. Whoa, I think they're an improved team, and a lot of it is because of that defense. Yeah, and that was a tough call for, for Sean Payton to come in and let go of Steve Spagnola, who he had brought in the year before and then wasn't around That's it because of the, uh, the Bounty Gate thing. Come back, be decisive like that, bring in a Rob Ryan, who, quite frankly, in, in nine years as a coordinator, has not had a lot of success right. for a lot of different reasons. He's been with seven different head coaches and, you know, they, like you say, mm-hmm. the personnel, the whole thing. But it was a bold move by Sean Payton to do that. Listen, I want to go to the Chicago Bears now, and I had that game. What a phenomenal game. Everything happened in that game <clears throat> uh, in terms of kickoff return for a touchdown and fumble for a touchdown and interception right. for a touchdown and up and down the field. Let's talk about Jay Cutler because we're talking about quarterbacks. I want to hear what you say about Jay Cutler because I will tell you, sitting with Jay Cutler on Friday in the production meeting was the best one-on-one contact I had ever had with him. Looked you in the eye, talked to you, was more relaxed. <clears throat> it's the most comfortable I've ever seen him in an offense since he's been in Chicago. Brian, was he, was he, was he comfortable with you because he's growing up, he's maturing, uh, he's at a point in his life where, uh, you know, he's, he's learned lessons? Or, or do you think that he just – because he's in his contract year. Yes. And, and if, if you or I were in our contract year, we would be on edge. You know what I mean? You'd be like, whoa, this – I'm just – I just can't sleep anymore. Um, but he seems to be handling that well. Yeah. And maybe, maybe he's found a system that – he likes, maybe it suits him, Mark Tressman's version of this West Coast offense. 
And everybody said, hey, Rod, you brought it from Canada. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. He Long it down here. Yeah. And, and um, I, th- I think it's a good marriage. It now is. you got to win. If they were 0-2, if they were 0-2, maybe, right. maybe next game he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't be sitting comfortably. But I like where they are right now. And, and uh, Jay's doing a nice job. They're protecting him. Only one sack in two games. That? That's with the a difference. rookie right side, I'm visiting with Kyle Long, you know, talked about the demeanor of a Jay Cutler, and sometimes he can be a little gruff and grumpy. And Kyle Long, all but a rookie, says, you know, you get sacked 189 times, you're going to be grumpy too, you know. I said, you're right. That's a <laughs> Good fair. point. But I, what I see is Jay Cutler, who's gone, even in Denver, Mike Shanahan wasn't calling the offense then. He had Mike Hammerdinger, God rest his soul. Then he had Jeremy Bates. Then he comes to Chicago, gets Ron Turner. He gets Mike Martz. Mike he Martz. gets Mike Tice. Mike Tice. We've worked with these guys. I can't think of five guys with more diverse personalities or styles than those. So he's getting a lot of different versions of do this, do this, do this. I agree. I think Mark Tressman is is the perfect intellectual match for Jay Cutler. And, and speaking of that, we had a chance. I had a chance to sit down and had an interview with uh, with uh, Mark Tressman just about this very subject. Cutler and the Bears get another chance. They need a touchdown to take the lead. Cutler throws and is it a catch? Yes, it is by Jeffrey. Snap is back to Jay, throwing, back shoulder throw, Martellus Bennett, touchdown Bears! After two straight come-from-behind wins, the Chicago Bears are off to a 2-0 start from first time since 2010. And with me now is first-year head coach Mark Tressman joining me. Coach, I appreciate you joining me here on the Coaches Show. Uh, it was great fun to be a part of that. We got to call the game. You know, they say once is luck, twice is a trend. That's two come-from-behind wins. Talk to me a little bit about what that does for your team, for your start in Chicago, to have those types of win both in the huddle and from the sideline. Well, we felt as a coaching staff, Brian, that we walked into a locker room already filled with uh, some great experience and some great character. And we've just been working to trying to build on that throughout the OTAs and training camp and uh, early in the season. And the guys have worked hard to get to know the new players. Uh, Phil Emery's brought in a, a cast of, of players uh, with with Bushrod, with Matt Slauson, uh, Martellus Bennett, and our two draft choices, Kyle Long and, and Jordan Mills, and then defensively with Lance Briggs and Charles and, and the guys. It's just been a good mix of guys working together uh, to try to make uh, our football team get better every day. And you've been preaching since day one. It's all integrated offense, defense, special teams. And these two wins come from behind. It had it all. It had defensive stops. You had special teams plays. You had uh, obviously had to go the length of the field under a minute and a half with Jay. Uh, talk about that comfort zone. I mean, that's where the team really learns about itself compared to, you know, winning a game, you know, 28 to 6. Talk about what you and Jay are learning about each other, having been in those critical last drives, you know, communication between the play caller and the quarterback. Well, you know, the first thing is we turned the ball over four times, and thankfully we played great special teams with Devin Hester having a big game in our defense making the stops and holding, uh, holding a Minnesota to field goals. But on the, on the Jay side, he's just, uh, what I found is he's just a really hardworking guy who loves football, enjoys the game, and uh, he's integrated himself throughout the team in terms of uh, creating stronger bonds and relationships with not only the guys on the offensive side of the ball, but throughout the team. And it's been a work in progress uh, since we got together in April, and it will continue to be that as we move forward. You've, you've had some, a great career working with a lot of quarterbacks, Steve Young and, and uh, Rich Gannon, notables here in the NFL. Jay Cutler looked as comfortable as I've seen him, and I've had a lot of Chicago Bear games over the last four and five years. 
I, I think that's a testimony to what you're doing with them, the relationship you guys have created. Talk about your comfort zone with Jay in the pocket right now and the way he's reading things out. Well, Coach, you know how it works. First of all, Aaron Cromer's done a great job, you know, leading the offense and, and putting a, our offensive line, integrating our offensive line and getting us in a position where, you know, Jay really feels comfortable in the pocket. And then it's just the day-to-day -day work uh, that, that we've done to, to try to coordinate uh, not only our, our, our pass protection, but our get a, get a, a run game. We've got a, a very fine running back in, in Matt, Matt Forte and utilizing his skill sets. And, uh, and working with our receivers. So it's just been a combination of guys. And Matt Cavanaugh's here to, to help with the quarterbacks as our quarterback coach. He's been a, a great influence on, on Jay as well. You know, you talk about uh, the history with Jay Cutler, and I've had Jay a great deal. And sometimes his demeanor, we're all looking at demeanors of quarterbacks, whether it's Eli Manning, whether it's Tom Brady going off on his receiver. Jay has been, for lack of a better word, grumpy at times. But I like that when Kyle Long in our production meeting said, hey, you, get, you got sacked 189 times in your career. You'd be grumpy too. Uh, I, I, that's the biggest difference I see in Jay Cutler as well. Talk to me a little bit about working Jay through that demeanor as a championship quarterback. Yeah, we've never wanted to take the fire out of Jay, no doubt about it. But I think that he had time to really sit back this offseason and decide how he was going to lead this team. And I think we're seeing some of that right now in terms of more of an even keeled, you know, common sense approach. And, you know, there's going to be a time where he's going to, you know, get a little bit more fire than most. But he's handled the adversity that he's had over the first couple games in a very even keeled manner, as I said. And uh, we'll see how things proceed as we move on. You know, the, the, everything in the league right now, people are talking about uh, number of p uh, uh, plays the team runs, high octane, high octane, no huddle, that type of thing. I know you give Jay a lot of latitude, whether it's multiple play calls that he can check to or just different things he can go to within a given call. Uh, you had a, a, I mean, where do you fall on this? Where do you want to be? Time of possession, number of plays run. Where do you see your offense going forward? Because you have the, all the elements you need with all the talent that you've got there with Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett's been big, and obviously Matt Forte in the backfield. Yeah, we're just trying to run the best play that we can on that particular down. And by giving Jay the flexibility to, you know, choose the right play based on what he sees, allows us to do that so we're not wasting plays. I don't know that we have any, any sequence or any percentages of run to pass or anything like that. We know we've got a, really a collection of uh, uh, highly skilled guys that are around him. We we're trying to use everybody. We do that uh, through the game plan and make sure everybody's a, a primary target, a significant one on different plays. But overall, we're just trying to find that one play and trying to execute it as well as we can and then move on to the next one. You find it any different being a head coach and play caller in the NFL from the Canadian League? Kind of unique background, different transition, or it's just football? Yeah, I, I think it's really just football. Being up there was a, a great place to be. It's a great game up there. I, I love coaching up there and certainly love being, being with the Chicago Bears and being part of this organization. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Good luck against Pittsburgh, and uh, it's been fun watching you so far. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me on. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great visiting with Mark, but I want to ask you something. I, when I was there on the weekend, and it was, it was several players that I sat with and talked about, and I want to get your take on this, Mooch. Now, you're talking about a 10-6 and 6 team, Chicago Bear team. So, obviously, they came into a – this wasn't a 5-11 and 11 team. or They had 10-6. and 6. Mm -hmm. And two, there were three and four different players that told me, you know what, Coach, what impresses us most about Mark Tressman and Mel Tucker, the new defensive coordinator. Mel Tucker came in and said, you know what? You guys are pretty good. I'll learn your system. 
He used all the former Lovey Smith verbiage. He didn't come in and say, I'm going to run my stuff. And this is, you know, you guys are pretty good. It's easier for one guy to change than all of you guys. You've been pretty good. But to a man, each of these guys said about Mel Tucker and Mark <clears throat> Tressman, the thing that has impressed them most at this point is that they, and this is the term they used, they humbled themselves in front of the team to say, look, you're pretty good. We're going to adapt to you. We got a plan. But it wasn't coming in going, you know, my way, the highway, and this. Yeah. I, I thought the use of that term that they humbled themselves in front of the players, I thought that was significant. That's interesting. And I, that doesn't surprise me about Mark. Yeah. You and I both know him well, and, and, and he's, a, he's a smart guy, bright, bright, bright guy. And, but he is a humble guy. He's a good person, family man, the whole thing. And that, some of that's not unlike uh, a Mike Tomlin coming into Pittsburgh saying, hey, Dick LeBeau, we're going to keep running your defense. Right. Even though Mike was a defensive coordinator in a different scheme, you know, if it's not broke, you don't fix it, right? Um, and so some of that in Chicago, boy, it holds true, especially on the defense. And, and, and Mark, you know, you, you want because he's, he's such a bright guy, um, but he can communicate with everybody from, the, you know, the kindergarten kids yeah. to the president. And so um, I, I'm happy for him because when, when they start – you know, talking about that hire and he being one of the candidates, we heard so much garbage about you're going to hire somebody from right. Canada. Right. Outside and the he's, box. he's proving to be the right fit. And, and, uh, and you, you mentioned it. Lovey was 10 and six and did a great job over there. Uh, and led, you know, he laid the foundation of a great uh, organization too. And so it's going to be fun. They could win this division that, you know, you got to win some close games and Jay yeah. Cutler's he's, he's uh, delivered. And, and the way it validates the program, the two come from behinds, down by 11 to Cincinnati, what they did the other day. You know, the Vikings returned a kickoff for a touchdown and a fumble recovery for a defensive score. Otherwise, that thing's kind of a rat killer. Uh, and yet they responded to it. And, and they came back in the last drive, and I thought they did a nice job with it. Um, let's, let's do the flip side of it because, you know, we got to do that. We're media types, so we got to be negative here. Let's talk about a couple of the 0-2 teams that okay. are surprises and no more so than the Washington Redskins and and the uh, New York Giants. Who concerns you the most? <clears throat> well, you know, Washington is, is going through something. You know, they win the division last year. They take that division. That's a tough division, the NFC East, and they win it with this rookie quarterback named RG3, gets rookie of the year on offense. Sensational talent and great year, and it just took the league by storm. <laughs> He's hurt. He's hurt, Brian. You know that. Yeah. You just watch him walk around and throw the ball and, and he's, I don't know, is he 80%? He's been cleared by Dr. Andrews and himself and, and, and the team. But he's not, he doesn't appear to be healthy in 100%. He's certainly not as explosive. So it's going to be a process. I think he got better from week one to week two. But their problems, you know, other than RG3's right knee, their problems will lie on defense. They couldn't stop the Eagles' run game, 263 yards in the right. opener. They couldn't stop a pass if it's to save their soul against the Packers. Um, you know, they're a team that's going to be looking for answers, I think. Yeah, and you're right about that defense. I think the hardest thing you ever do, in my opinion, is evaluating a quarterback's ability <clears throat> and separating it from what's going on around him. It's hard to do. And when there's things yeah. breaking down around you, obviously the nuance of the receiver and the quarterback. And, you know, I always tell people, well, would you really need preseason? Do you really need – you know what? We as coaches – if you didn't need to practice, we wouldn't do it. You know, if, we, if you didn't need that time to get better, uh, then we wouldn't jeopardize our players' health by doing it. And we're seeing that uh, the, the loss of the preseason 
It's just going to take a while. The thing I'm concerned about for them is, you're right, things kind of went their way last year and they got on a roll. Now, with the 0-2 start and there hasn't been an 0-2 team make the playoffs since 2008 and all that stuff they're going to continue to hear, how do they handle that? Because they were kind of the, the golden child last year and had a pretty good run. Now that they had the expectations going in, how tough is that compared to the Giants? Now, the Giants are used to it. And 0-2, Tom Coughlin's going to go, ah, I've been here before. I've been Won here a before. Super Bowl after yeah, 0-2, didn't Yeah, it's no big <laughs> deal. But, but how about 0-3? They're going down to Carolina. If they go 0-3 now, ooh, boy. Well, that Carolina team, you know, they almost ambushed Seattle, if yeah. you remember, in week one. Yeah. And that was a tough game. And Russell Wilson had to pull it out at the end. And so that's not an easy win. Um, it's a, but it's, the Giants are a very mature team. They've been there, done that, have won, have dug themselves out of holes, have come back from injuries. Uh, they got to quit turning the ball over a little bit, <laughs> a lot. And, and so that'll be a good game. Um, you know, the other 0-2 team besides the Giants and the Redskins are Minnesota. They made the playoffs last year, right, yeah. Brian? Yeah. And all of a sudden, I don't, I don't want to say they don't, the record doesn't look like a playoff team, but they had the Bears. I mean, they had a chance to win that game. They did. But was it – and here's the tough thing with the Christian punter. You go in and you know and you got the running game in Adrian Peterson. You know you yep. got a good sack guy in, in, in Jared Allen. Jared Allen. Can Christian ponder – to me, Mooch, in doing the games, he's still staring stuff down a little bit. Threw yeah. a pick six the other day, staring down uh, a comeback or it looked like a little fade back on the right-hand side. Um, he's still – but then he'll scramble around and make a play and yeah. kind of get him back into it, which uh, – and the supporting cast, you know, Rudolph's a pretty good tight end. Simpson had a great game last week. Uh, not so much this. Uh, he doesn't have that, that uh, uh, Percy Harvin. Cordero Patterson had the return for the touchdown. He still isn't getting integrated into the offense just yet. So I, I don't want to give up on a Christian Ponder. I certainly don't think Matt Castle's the answer for them. But this is a team, like you said, went to the playoffs 10-6, and six, playing good defense and running the ball. Well, we're doing that, and yet here we sit at 0-2. Well, they, they still can play. They still can play good defense, and they can still run the yeah. ball. So, boy, Cordero Patterson has got to come around yeah. and, and contribute more than just in returns. Greg Jennings has got to be figured into that offense more. And then, and then Simpson. And then Rudolph had nine touchdowns last year. So they have some guys. They've just got to distribute the ball around run and pass and within the passing game to all those weapons. I think they're good enough. Boy, but uh, Christian Ponder, he's under a little bit of heat. Yeah, and they, they, uh, they have what looks like three home games, at least on the schedule, but one of them is in London. So they have no back-to-back home games this season. And Ooh. so that's going to be – it's great, so it's an even paced schedule in terms of home away, home away, but I don't know. It's, hey, I, I, wouldn't, I got, that, wouldn't that drive you nuts to have one of your home games in London? Oh, my God. Yeah, so, and, and, that's, I know, and that's I know the league wants games? us to support all that, but I'll go there if it's an away game rather than going to Seattle sure. or Arrowhead Stadium. Sure. I'll go to Wembley over there. And then play in front of the guys that love you. And so, but give up a home game, that's got to be a tough decision. Yeah. Let me throw two things at you and then we'll get out of here. Uh, EJ Emanuel in, in Buffalo. I love this guy. Everybody says a Cam Newton esque. You know who he reminds me of? Who? A guy I was fortunate to work with a little bit, God rest his soul, Steve McNair. Oh. Because he's not a big runaround guy, but he's strong, he's physical. And how about how emotionally he got after the game? How great was that? After the big win that they had, was that his dad in the in the in the stands that he was I, I hugging? Not, I guess, but um, he was emotional. Yeah, and I love that stuff. I love that stuff because the kid, the kid gets drafted the the first quarterback taken what sixteen, and and it was surprising to some people because the other guys had more conversation going up to the draft. And what you heard about this kid is he's very mature. He's a leader. He's 
when he speaks, it's like EF listen and 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 um and then they they wanted to start him even though he was hurt in the preseason. They might he must have been showing something in that training camp that says this guy's really got it and we've got to we've got to force the issue and let this guy be our guy. And and so I'm I'm happy for him. He you know, and now he's going to play in the rookie bowl, right? They play against Geno Smith, right, yeah, with oh the Jets boy. this week. The two rookies, it's always fun to see how these youngsters uh, sure. get along and, and uh, you know, come together. But, yeah, E.J. Manuel, he's going to be – he's a keeper. And that surprise game probably uh, uh, with San Diego going into Philadelphia mm-hmm. with Chip Kelly. Does Chip Kelly just bag the whole offense now, get in the eye and pound away, you think? You think he's going to dump the whole thing now? <laughs> Running only 58 uh, some odd no, plays? No, no, no. And I'll tell you why. There was an example that uh, why he won't. Because he wants to go fast-paced. You know, he wants to get that thing going full speed ahead uh, like a dragster. And he, and, he, and he could have put the brakes on right at the end of the game and got to that two-minute drill, the two-minute warning, the two-minute warning. And then started first and ten, but no, he wanted to keep going fast. And then Vic gets hurt, and they waste, they they stop the clock, and and they they give San Diego a chance to come back with timeouts. And so I think he's got to, I think he's got to decide when am I going to keep the, right. the my my uh, the the pedal on the metal here. Or when am I going to slow it down to help yeah. my defense out once in a while? He's got to learn that. Because we saw the defense needs that help. I love the fact that DeVic's not turning the ball over, but in the first two games, I know they're running a lot of offense, but he is getting hit a lot, Mooch. That still concerns me. I don't know that Michael Vick is going to make it through the season, but uh, at the very least, well, we got we got to close it up here. Uh, I'm working hard. At some point, I'm going to get you to throw somebody under the bus. We'll get that done at some point. Even I'm going to throw me. you under the even, bus even because I need to me. get one of those – I need to get one of those photos of you biking through Europe in your spandex. I'm going, to, I'm going to. I will pay for you to go with this over there if I can get you Listen, in spandex. I'll put it. I'll put that photo right here. I'll do that. By my orchid. I'm going to do All that. Right? I'm going to send you that picture, and I want that to be over your right hand shoulder for the coach's show there. next week. We'll Come do on. it, man. Good to see you. All right, you too. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's Coach's Show podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe to iTunes. Thanks for listening, everybody. 